Welcome to Junior Elves and Now What, interlude episode 23.3. It is also my 50th overall episode on this podcast, so I am very, very excited by that. Yay! Half of 100! I'm not entirely sure why 50 is such a magical number. I told my wife that when I turn 40, I don't really care. When I turn 50, I probably won't care. When I turn whatever age past 50 that I end up living to, I probably won't care. But when I turn 42, that's going to be cool. Because, you know, 42 is the ultimate question to life, nervous, and everything. All right. So having said that, uh, on to kind of what's happened over the last week or two since I recorded last. Um, I'm going to start with kind of the lamest thing that happened. And that is, um, so one of my family members was ill, so I was scooting around the house super fast trying to help gather some stuff up for him. And I wear socks all the time. I have a circulation disorder called Raynaud's or Raynaud's, and my hands and feet are cold all the time. So year-round, I wear socks. I'm kind of one of those creepy people. Um, I uh, was scooting around super fast and slammed my foot into the couch. And I was like, oh, crap, I stubbed my toe. This is the second to the smallest toe on my left foot. And so I'm like, okay, well, stub toe, whatever. And it kept hurting and kept hurting and kept hurting. And so finally I was like, yeah, you know, I probably should check. Maybe I bent the nail back or something. So I pulled off my sock, kind of trimmed it up a little bit. You know what? It still hurt, but it wasn't the nail. The day before my middle child, my 10 year old came home from school and he was like, hey, I was out playing at recess and fell and tried to catch myself and my wrist kind of hurts. And I'm like, okay, dude, check it out. It's probably a sprain, no big deal. You'll be okay, but let's ice it, let's bandage it, we'll wash it a few days, and we'll see. Okay, so he came home on a Monday, I stubbed my toe on a Tuesday. Wednesday, I uh, was at work, and I'm like, my toe is really still hurting. So I found an opportunity to strip off my shoe and sock, and my toe is black. And I'm like, I'm thinking this is a bad sign. So I call up my wife, I'm like, honey, I need to get into the doctor. I don't care about the pain, but I want to make sure there's nothing seriously wrong. And so... She goes, um, we get a doctor's appointment set up for me and my 10-year-old, and uh, we go and we get our x-rays done. And to make myself feel a little bit better, I'm sure, the doctor's like, so what toe is it that's hurt? So he looks down at my foot and he goes, oh, I can tell. So I'm like, okay, well, at least it looks bad. After all the x-rays and stuff, he's like, okay, well, good news is your toe's not broken. It's just bruised, the bone itself. So it's going to take a while to heal, but you'll be fine. And then he turns to my 10-year-old and he says, and you have a compression fracture on your wrist. So uh, at the end of the day, I thought... My toe was possibly broken. It wasn't. I thought my 10-year-old's wrist was probably sprained, and it was broken. So, you know, dad 101 right there. Anyway, so that's one of the events that transpired. Um, another one that was interesting is I was having a discussion over the last few weeks with my oldest son, and in the conversation, it became very apparent that he and I didn't necessarily share the same opinion or at least understanding of a particular topic. And the, the, the topic isn't really important in this context, but I got to thinking afterwards, is it important for our children to truly and utterly understand, believe, and abide by our same opinions about everything? And I'm not necessarily talking about, you know, we ask them to clean their room, they should clean their room, but some fundamental theories about our existence, religious or otherwise. And in the course of this conversation, uh, or after the conversation, it became very obvious to me that the answer should unequivocally be no. They should not necessarily agree. If they do, that's fine. But my reasoning stems from this idea that if our goal behind existence is progression, then that means that we need to always be changing. We always need to be evolving. We're never going to remain the same. That's not to say that our core being changes necessarily, but our behaviors, our thoughts, our practices, our actions, our deeds, those will change. If we want 
those that are following behind us, our children, grandchildren, and et cetera, to become better than us, then they probably shouldn't agree with everything we say and do. They should probably have some different set of opinions, and some that will cause them to trip and stumble, and some won't. So that's my feeling on the matter. Um, anyways, it was just a fascinating conversation. We finished Disney Plus, The Mandalorian. That was a really and truly enjoyable TV show, and I'm so glad that we had the opportunity to watch it. Uh, what else? We also, or I also, finally finished building the Stranger Things Lego set. Um, that was actually really cool. Certainly one of the most difficult Lego sets I've ever put together. And not because it had any like really funky, crazy moving parts, but there was lots and lots and lots and lots and lots of little small parts. Um, but uh, I have it at work right now. It's standing up on the two trees on the normal side, right side up, if you will. And the upside down is what's upright, which I kind of do it that way because this causes the Jeep that the sheriff drives to be suspended in midair, which is really cool. So that was kind of a fantastic set to put together. All right. So I wanted to mention one of the scriptures that uh, caught my attention, and I'm only going to be part of it now and talk briefly about it. But this is in First uh, Nephi chapter 17, verse 3. And the first sentence is the only thing I want to read for this one. And it says, And thus we see that the commandments of God must be fulfilled. I never really caught on to the word fulfilled before in this context. To me, a commandment is a lot like a law. When you're living in a country and somebody says the law is don't speed, then that's something you either do, you abide by, or you don't, you break, Right. But I've never really thought of a law as being fulfilled. Now, according to the definition of fulfilled, or one of the definitions of fulfilled, it means to complete. And so I thought that's kind of strange. How can you complete a law? Uh, in I think it's like 35 chapter 17, it talks about how Jesus Christ fulfilled or completed the law of Moses. And again, it still seems strange to me. How can you complete a law? So this is something I'm going to talk about further because it's going to be part of my next topic Um podcast, but I want you to mule it over. I have some thoughts and theories behind what fulfilled means, but um, I think this is important from the standpoint of us understanding what a law is intended to do, whether worldly or otherwise. And I think if we understand this, it can help elevate us as a society and as a people. So think about it. All right. So the, the last part of this interview podcast is I've been doing some serious binge watching of an old sci-fi from, I believe, the 90s called Babylon 5. I don't remember having really watched it much as a kid, but as, as an adult, uh, I'm thoroughly enjoying it. I don't know what philosophical major or PhD the guy was that wrote this show, but it's very deep. And uh, there are some really great, some humorous, some thought-provoking quotes in this show. So I'm going to uh, read off. As my top five, uh, I narrowed it down to my top four for this one, uh, and this more for the sake of time. And uh, hopefully you guys get something from this, because I thought this was uh, excellent. And heck, maybe it'll inspire you to watch the show too. Okay, so Babylon 5, top four quotes in no particular order. This is in season two, episode 15. And uh, the captain of Babylon 5, John Sheridan, was asked a question about whether the Babylon 5 project uh, was worth it give you a tiny bit of background, Babylon 5 is a space station that the humans and a few other alien races built way out in space. And the idea behind this was to help bring all of these species together in a place where there wouldn't be any war and there would be peace. So um, this is what John Sheridan said. 
When he was asked if it was worth it, he said, yes, but not for any of the reasons that you've probably been told. The job of Babylon 5 is not to enforce the peace. It's to create the peace. And this place was built on the assumption that we could work out our problems and build a better future. And that, to me, is the key issue. See, in the last few years, we've stumbled. We stumbled at the death of the president, the war, and on and on. So I'm going to stop right there. This is not like a human worldly president. This is a president from the sci-fi thing. And there's war in the sci-fi universe. To continue. And when you stumble a lot, you start looking at your feet. Well, we have to make people lift their eyes back to the horizon and see the line of ancestors behind us saying, make my life have meaning. And to our inheritors before us saying, create the world we will live in. I mean, we're not just holding jobs and having dinner. We are in the process of building the future. That's what Babylon 5 is about. I really liked this quote because to me, uh, especially with the, the faith that I follow, is your ancestors and uh, is the term progenitors, those that are going to follow, uh, are, are both of equal importance, but for very different reasons. And I liked very much this, this uh, quote because it emphasized that uh, and, and focused a bit on it. Uh, I thought that was pretty grand. Okay, next quote. This is from season two, episode 20. And some terrible bad event happened. And one of the aliens, I, I hope I remember pronounced his name right, is Jakar. And this is what he said. No dictator, no invader can hold an imprisoned population by force of arms forever. There is no greater power in the universe than the need for freedom. Against that power, governments and tyrants and armies cannot stand. We live in a world today, to end the quote, we live in a world today where there is war constantly. And there is a lot of people out there who either don't have freedom, don't know what freedom is, and never experienced freedom. And I agree with this, what this Jakar says, is that there's a certain element in all of our existence that understands that freedom is something that we need to fight for, not necessarily something that hope will be given to us. All right, next quote, season two, episode 21. There is a character in this, without giving too much away, uh, he is simply known as the Inquisitor. Um, his uh, One of the names he goes by is Sebastian. Um, after he performed some rather horrific tests on some people, when they asked what the results were, this is what he said. How do you know the chosen ones? No greater love hath a man than he lay down his life for his brother. Not for millions, not for glory, not for fame. For one person in the dark, where no one will ever know or see. I thought that was very profound. That first part I'd heard before, but never the rest of it. Um, somebody once told me that to truly know a person is to have witnessed what they do when no one is around and watching them. I thought that was good. All right, and so this, this last one is from season one, episode 18. And one of the alien ambassadors named Londo, he reminds me a lot like of Napoleon, uh, the general, Napoleon. And uh, this quote is, is somewhat comical. Um, he's talking to another alien species and he says, here, six, and he's pointing to a computer, 6,000 years of recorded history. And he's talking about earth history or human history. A history that includes remarkable composers, astonishing symphonies, but what is the one song that half of them sing to their children, generation after generation? 
You put your right hand in, you put your right hand out, you put your whole self in, and you turn yourself about. You do the hokey pokey, you give a little shout. That's what it's all about. It doesn't mean anything. I have been studying it for seven days. I've had the computer analyze it. I swear to you, it does not mean a thing. So there you have it. There's my uh, four quotes from Babylon 5 that I thoroughly thoroughly enjoy. Um, nearing the completion of season two now, I believe there's five seasons of the show and a few movies. So if I come across any other funny quotes, I'll try to bring them up here. Um, to end this interlude episode, I, I just want to mention that um, I've exhausted a lot of the Chuck Norris facts throughout the course of these. I figured episode 50 is a good transition to move to something else, at least for a time. As a child, one of the only pieces of literature that I would ever read was Garfield comics. And I would argue that if it weren't for Garfield Comics, I wouldn't be as literate as I am today. And so for the next while, I'm going to extrapolate a couple of one-liners from Garfield because he's funny. And part of this podcast is to make you smile and laugh. So in this podcast, Garfield says, love me, feed me, never leave me. Have a spectacular week. Smile, be happy, and remember you're worth it.